You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Elisha wants to be there with him. But Elisha said to him, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. There's a level of dedication and commitment here that is respectful and admirable. And so they went to Bethel. Verse 3, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? This is such a strange question. Like everywhere they go, they know that Elijah is going to be taken away. I don't know if God put out a memo to all these different places and all these different prophets, but it's like everybody, it's like the world's worst kept secret. Elijah's going to be taken up today. Can you, uh, did you know that Elisha? Elisha, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Um, So be quiet. We're not going to really make a big deal of this. Verse four, then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And Elijah probably feels like one of those older siblings, right? And Elisha's like that younger sibling who has, I think they term it now, like FOMO, the fear of missing out. Um, If you're an older sibling or a younger sibling, you're very much aware of how this works. The older sibling wants to go do things, and the younger sibling always wants to do it with them. Uh, I can remember following my older brother and Chris Skiles around when I was younger, and they always got to do the fun things, and I wanted to not miss out on that, but they were always doing pulling out all these big brother tricks to try to ditch us and leave us behind. That's what Elijah is trying to do here. Elisha, stay here. I'm going there. And Elijah's like, no, I'm I'm there with you. I don't want to miss out on this. God is going to take you away. Uh, And so that's how this plays out in Bethel. It plays out in uh, uh, Gilgal also. And then we continue on uh, with Elijah and Elisha uh, playing this game back and forth. Verse 5, the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, so be quiet. We're getting a little repetitious here. Then Elijah said, stay here and the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Now, if you don't know the significance of the Jordan in the Bible, there is some history here as they come up to this river. This is the river that Joshua had to stop at before they entered into the promised land, that the priest walked before them with the Ark of the Covenant, and the the banks dried up, right? This is the place that Jesus one day will be baptized. Jordan is one of those significant bodies of water that has a lot more specialness to it than it just being a normal normal thing. Things have happened here. And you have these prophets who know Elijah is going to be taken up, and they are anticipating what is going to happen at this significant place. And so we continue on. Verse 8, Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up. 
And I wonder what Elisha's thinking at this point, right? Elijah comes to this river. He's standing there, and he starts disclothing himself. Uh, Elisha might be thinking, all right, how far is Elijah going to go? There's people watching Elijah. Are you going to just swim across this thing? It's kind of dangerous. What in the world are you doing? Do I need to start taking off my clothes because you're not getting away from me, right? And so he's probably wondering, how do I respond in this situation as Elijah takes off his cloak and he rolls it up? And then, probably a little relieved, and then he struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. This is a moment where Elisha is probably thinking, no way did I just see this happen. Do I get to go and walk in this place and do what I heard about God doing in the past? This moment had to have been special, and I don't know if he rushed across or took his time as they crossed this Jordan River on dry land. But this is a moment, and it's interesting that as you read this text, there's no like exclamation points on this at all. If I was writing this and telling this story, I would have about 20 of them at the end of this verse because this is such a significant, amazing moment. And as unbelievable as this is, this story gets even crazier. In verse 9, it says, When they had crossed, Elijah and Elisha uh, tell, it says to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you? before I am taken up from you. I think this is a conversation a lot of people have with other people when they're, they're nearing the end of their time with them, right? Whatever reason, whether they're moving away, whether they're graduating, whether they know that their time on earth is, uh, is about to end, this question of uh, what do you want from me before I am taken away? Before I go away, is there anything, any last request? You know, Elijah is giving Elisha this blank check Really, like, what do you want? It can be anything. And I don't know if Elisha has processed this before. He thought about it, uh, asking and contemplating, well, how much is too much to ask Elijah for? You know, what are my limits? What's really reasonable? What's unreasonable? Or if he just responds in the moment. But, you know, if this was a mother... If Elijah was Elisha's mother, I'm sure that his willingness to ask for whatever would be up here because we all know that whenever our mom, uh, we can go to our mom and ask them for anything, right? Uh, Dad's sometimes questionable, but if, you, if your mom loves you, you know there is no limit to what she will do for you, what she will give to you. It's one of the wonderful things about their moms is their heart that they have for their children, the love that they have for children, and they will go to the extreme to give their children what they want and what they ask for. And so we have this relationship where uh, Elijah is playing that role, and if there was a mom here, she would have said yes before he is done making his statement. You know, but it's kind of interesting also that as crazy it is of what we ask for our mothers, what they ask for us in return is minimal, right? Uh, if you ask your mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? It's usually something pretty simple, something pretty practical. Give me space if you have lots of young kids, right? Uh, give me a lunch, just feed me so I don't have to cook for you. Let's just spend some time with family. Don't make any trouble. I just want to be with you. It's interesting how different people ask different questions in relationships and how we answer in the requests that we give. 
But I want to kind of pose this question that Elijah asks Elisha. What do you want from God to us as a church? If God was here and he asked you, what is something that you want? What can I do for you? What are some things that you would ask God? Maybe allow the Holy Spirit to bring up some of those things in this moment right now. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? Not that, right? <laughs> A longer table back there. All right, uh, so if you could ask God for anything, what would you ask for? If you're Elisha in this moment, and you've seen Elijah do all of these amazing things. You've seen him call down fire. You've seen him outrun a chariot. You've heard the stories of the spirit who fills him and does these incredible things. And you're given this opportunity. What would you ask for? If you could ask God, it can be anything big. It can be anything bold. It can be brave. And I think we need to remember that God loves us as a mother loves us. And that no matter how big our request is, God is happy to answer and to give us those requests. That's something to remember as you live your life in relationship with God. That we can ask big questions. Elisha shows us this in this verse. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. That is a bold, big ask. I want to receive a double portion of your spirit. Again, Elijah has done incredible, amazing things, and he's asking for this double portion of his spirit. Now, I think when we first read this, we see double portion, and our context doesn't line up with their context. We think double of what Elijah did. But if you look at study and study scripture, this double portion was something that was very common in their day. Essentially, uh, when it came time for the oldest son to inherit something, this is what they would request, this double portion from their parents. So it's like him asking for this inheritance that is equal to, but it will continue on, continues on this legacy. He wants the spirit that has been in Elijah to rest in him. We don't really know if that has not been present up until this point. We don't have stories of Elisha doing miraculous things before this. And so this is a request to continue on the ministry that Elijah has done and to be able to do the things through the God that has done these things through Elijah. He wants to continue this legacy of the things that he has witnessed and the things that he has seen. He wants God to continue to do in him things that he has not yet been able to do. He wants to do some amazing things. Elisha asks for this to be regarded as a successor for Elijah. And he wants to continue the spiritual power so that he can fulfill and live out and do what Elijah has done. Elisha could have asked for anything, but he asks for this. And when he was offered everything, he didn't seek wealth, worldly power, or status. He just wanted this spirit of God to be in him. It's one of those things whenever we think about a relationship with God, what is missing in your relationship with him? Again, what would you ask God if he offered to give you anything? 
I think we should remember to ask God for big things, for blessings, for his spirit, for a double portion of the things that we've seen in other people. Elijah's response to this request of this double portion is, you have asked for a difficult thing. And maybe in the back of his mind, he's like, no way did you just ask for that. That's a little gutsy, Elisha. The same God who created the world, the same God that parted the Jordan River, the same God that raised Jesus from the grave, that's who you want to reside in you. You want to do the miracles. You want to see the miracles. You want to see the change in other people's life. He says, be ready to have that faith. Be watching. Be bold. Be ready to take action. And Elijah says this, if you see me when I am taken up from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Pretty simple, pretty simple answer to this prayer. If you see me taken up, this request to have this double portion will be yours. If you don't, then you're not going to get it. Uh, and so you know that Elisha's head is on a swivel the rest of this journey, looking up, waiting, is it now, is it here, is it then? And he is just anticipating this moment when this thing that he doesn't know is going to, how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen is going to happen. In verse 11, 11 it does. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses and fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in this whirlwind. Elisha saw this. It'd be hard to miss, right? One of the understatements of the year. Uh, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And he took it, hold of his garment and he tore it in two. This is such a crazy story. Again, Elisha's probably thinking, no way. There's this tornado of fire, this chariot of fire that we probably can't imagine what it looked like. This moment in his life that would have been seared into his memory of when he saw this person that he cares about so much, this person he has served humbly for years, who he's left his family and friends for to follow after. And now, in a moment, he was talking with them, he was walking with them, and now he's gone. He responds in an understandable way. He doesn't sit there and be excited that he knows now that he's going to receive this blessing. No, he tears his clothes. It's a sign of mourning, a sign of sadness, this moment of acknowledging that this person who he has been lock and step with for so long is now gone out of his life. This mentor of his has now been taken away. He's lost this person that he's loved, and there's going to be this emptiness that is there that nobody else can fill. He's probably still thinking there's no way that that just happened. So after tearing his clothes, verse 13, it says, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, and he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan probably thinking, okay, how am I going to get back? I know I need to cross this. Elijah's not here anymore. Uh, the Spirit of God obviously was involved in that. Am I going to have to swim across now? But he takes this moment to see something, to test something. So he takes this cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. It's interesting what he says, what he asks. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Words have significance. He's not asking, where was my God? 
is asking, where is this God of Elijah? And he has this question, is he here? Where, where is God? And he's standing at this bank and staring and he's stressing, thinking there's no way across this. Elijah has already left in this chariot of fire, and now all he's left me with is this dumb t-shirt, right? Uh, what am I going to do with this t-shirt? And strikes it with this water. He wants to see what is going to happen, and maybe there's no anticipation that there's going to be any type of results. He's still questioning where God is, is and maybe in the back of his mind, is God going to keep his promise? So when he strikes the water, it divides to the right and to the left, and he crosses over. He's probably thinking, wow, God is a miracle worker and a promise keeper. He promised that I would receive this double portion, and he has definitely fulfilled that promise. The spirit who lived in Elijah now lives in me. I think most of us can probably relate to Elisha as he's standing on that bank. Blue collar, humble, has been serving and willing to serve others. But maybe a little bit hesitant to test and to put into action and take that step to strike that water with, with that thing that you've asked for. I think we have a tendency like Elisha in that moment to doubt God. And rather than double down on him, we kind of are hesitant to do what we think maybe God wants to do. Maybe we tend to think there's no way God is going to do amazing things through me like I've seen him do in other people. But as we see in this life of Elisha, he makes this bold request and God fulfills it. And God is a way maker. He makes things happen through those who step out in faith, who are willing to take this step of action are willing to do and test to see that God is good. And on the other side, verse 15, it says, the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. This moment, they, they are all able to celebrate together. There's no doubt that there has been a transition that has happened and that God is still there. He's not going to leave them. He's not going to abandon them. And that Elisha is going to carry on this mantle. And God is going to do amazing things. And this entire group is amazed at what Elisha does. So as we come to this point where as a church we are in this time of transition... I think it's important to remember that some of the things that people have thought there's no way that God to do that in Fur Road. I think some I reached out to a few people and got some examples of ways that God has worked in this church before. Some times of of this moment, what have you been praying for? What have you asked for? How has God fulfilled or done amazing things or miracles? One of the things that was mentioned to me was Lester being baptized at the age of 99. No way that would ever happen, right? that someone make that choice, that point in their life. You know, there's no way that this church could support a living link of someone going off in the mission field, even though they've been praying for it for years and years and raised up that, that, that desire God put on that heart. And Moore shared a story of Julie being pregnant with Kylie and ultrasounds with two different texts that all showed a baby with a mass next to her bladder. And they gave the issue to God. And maybe many people, some people in this room prayed alongside that family. 
And when she was delivered, she was taken and examined, and the doctor made the statement, you must be Christians when nothing showed up. I'm sure there's been people's lives that you know, maybe your own lives that have been changed through your example or through other people's examples here, through experiences that you've had, ways that you have served. I'm sure if we really sat down and took a list of this, the amazing things and the miracles that God has done in Fur Road would be long. God has done some amazing things, and God will continue to do amazing things. And that's really where I want us to be at today, is to ask you that question, what do you want God to do next? And so as we conclude this service, I hope that you've been inspired by the life of Elisha and his boldness to ask God to do things not only in his presence, with his spirit, but in him personally. And I want to ask you to encourage you to to ask God to give us a double portion type of prayer for this church. And not just for this church, it has to be you as individuals. It has to be your steps of faith, your steps of action, your willingness to go to God and ask him to do amazing, incredible things. And then collectively, like these prophets, we're able to celebrate together. One of the amazing and mind-blowing things as I read scripture and as I've developed my personal relationship with God is this reminder that we have the same access to the spirit that was in Elijah, that was in Elisha, and even Jesus told his disciples, when I, I must leave so that something greater can come, the Holy Spirit allowed them to do greater things than Jesus. We have that same spirit who is available and accessible to us when we decide to step out in faith. We're willing to take action when we're willing to ask God to do those things. The Bible tells us that we serve a God that can do more than we can even ask or imagine. So as we take this time to kind of wrap up this service, I want to encourage you to be bold and ask for God to do something amazing. Be willing to do miracles and see miracles. Be willing to take steps of action in faith and start asking God, what does he want to do in you and through you, in us and through us? So today I want to encourage you again to pray for that double blessing and take a physical step and step into the spiritual realm. Maybe it's a blessing that God's putting on your life. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's an ability. Maybe it's an attitude adjustment. Maybe it's an assurance. Maybe it's a confirmation. Maybe it's a relationship or a discipleship process that he wants you to enter into. I can't tell you how the Holy Spirit is working in you, but as a church, I want us to be able to pray over those things. So while the music is playing, be still, listen, think, dream. Take some time to connect with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to impress something on your hearts. Then come forward at your when you feel like that moment is right for you and write on these cards a bold prayer that you have for the church on the green card or for you individually on the white card. And If it's the green card, I'd ask that you leave it here. If it's a white card, take that with you. And then we're going to have you take your communion and return to your seat. We're going to sing together collectively in worship and then Corey will come up and do the communion and we'll continue on our service. But at this point, we just turn the lights down and allow you guys this time to go and connect and listen to the Spirit and ask Him to do some amazing things in you.